Today's episode is a Dueling Questions episode with Brad Bethune at Texas Card Dude. So he's local. I see him at some of the shows. He's a great sense of humor. Enjoyed batting our questions back and forth. Wasn't sure what to expect, but I think he wasn't sure what to expect either. Thanks, sponsors. Tops Panini and Upper Deck, Mike Stadium Sports Card, Burbank Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's the, the dueling questions with Brad Bethune. For those of you who know him, I don't think you'll be surprised. If you don't, I think you'll be pleased. Okay, Brad, this is dueling questions. You get to go first. Can be about the hobby. But it doesn't have to be strictly about the hobby, but it ought to have something to do with sports card insights because that's what our wonderful listeners have come to expect and appreciate. So, Brad Bethune, Texas Card Dude, hit me with your first question and welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. The question is a follow-up question to something that you said once on your podcast. It was regarding BGS and starting up BGS. They came to you with the idea of starting BGS, and it took you a little while to go through that deciding process of, of moving forward with BGS and they kept bothering you and bothering you and you'd say, no, wait, let me think about it. Let's do some organization and putting together of the and more realization of the idea. But the question is, what was the deciding factor or moment that allowed you to go ahead with BGS? You said there was a moment, but you never did say what the moment was. Okay. I haven't been asked that question exactly that way. I always talk about my team, but basically, if you don't listen to your team, you can go against your team occasionally and they'll say, okay, boss, you're the boss. But these were some of my absolute best people who were coming to me recommending that we do this. And at some point, a non-answer, I'll think about it, is a no answer, not ready to do it. So these were some of my best people heartily recommending to do it. The other thing that was appealing was this was after my heart attack. So one of the appeals of this, I had really strong people who'd researched it and PSA was starting to emerge. SGC was in there as well. But this was an idea, Brad, that was probably not going to be as dependent on me as the price guide. So I think uh, that's something I hadn't really thought about it until you're asking that question. Did the condition guides back in the very early price guides, and I understand condition, but I was never going to jump into one of the grading seats and be a grader. I can grade cards, but I don't really have the patience to do the kind of stuff they have to do. I know cards very well. I can recognize counterfeits, but the difference between a nine and a 9.5 I just don't have the patience for it. So it was less dependent on me and I needed to trust my people. And I haven't been sorry, no regrets. I I wish I'd done it sooner. That's the only regret. Okay. Okay. My question for you, what was it like to be behind Rich Klein's table and impersonate Rich for that period of time at the show uh, a a couple months ago? Oh, that's an awesome question. Thank you. He has an amazing inventory. So what was that like? First off, when he had to leave, I did the Scooby-Doo. You want me? So first off, it was an honor to even just be asked to do something like that. I took a heavy responsibility of, of being behind Rich's boot. Then number two, my limited knowledge of vintage and my knowledge versus your and Rich's knowledge is very limited. So what I did is I basically stood back there and said, okay, I kind of know what's in the boxes because I have dug through the boxes, but everything else is like, I don't know. So I started digging through what was in the cases, just trying to get a better idea while someone wasn't at the table. What happened was when someone came to the table, my 12 years of trade show experience and sales experience kicked in and 
I was just friendly and started talking baseball cards. And so, what do you like to collect? Then I went, have you seen Hobby Hotline? So have you heard? <laughs> so and so talk about Hobby Hotline and talk about the things that we talk about on a Saturday ba- show basis. And Brad, it sounded like you didn't sell any cards. So did you <laughs> help out my buddy Rich? I mean, he's, he has we, 10 tables worth of material stacked up on two tables. He did. When he came back, he was very shocked at how much that I sold. When people said, I'm looking for X. And you go, okay, I think it's in this box over here. Why don't you dig until Rich gets back? And then he'll be able to give you a good price. Well, there were people that weren't there that long and I wasn't going to make them wait. So I thought, okay, what do you think is a good price for the card? Well, they give me a good price. And we've looked at the sticker price. And I'm like, okay, well, I know eBay comps is like 30% of what seems like a good deal. Then I went, okay, what would Rich do in this place? <laughs> Dangerous thinking, but yes, yes. Exactly. I, I just really took that responsibility heavily and just tried to be respectful of his cards, of his booth. It worked out where I was able, whenever he walked back, to hand well, Everything's nominally marked, but then Rich's, Rich's just, discount <laughs> is, is, has a discount. That's right. Okay, your turn. Okay. You did answer a question of mine of how, how involved were you in the delegation, but back then when you were starting BGS, what was your biggest challenge going forward? What was like the number one thing that you just hit the wall, hit the head and just went, oh, why am I really doing this? Was there ever anything like that? I'm not sure in what context, but the real challenge for me and my personality type and the way I was raised, it was hard for me to delegate. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things that really came up is that, like I mentioned with grading, it was pretty clear I wasn't going to be able to grade all the cards. Right. <laughs> you know? And I didn't even want to be the final authority on the grading of the cards where they'd come in. They did come up to my office and say, I've got a problem with this card. Have you seen it? I'd say, yeah, I've seen it before. And it doesn't look real to me. And they said, okay, thank you. But on the price guides, when it started out, I was the guy that, that knew the most. But then as we started hiring people, then they had their specialties and the grading. So I think the delegation is something that I would have hit the wall. What happened was... Things got so big so fast, but I had to delegate. I was forced to delegate. Like I said, looking back, no regrets. Got some awesome people on my team. But I had trepidation of thinking, you can't clone yourself, Brad. That's not a good business strategy for growing. Actually, I did hire my sister, but she has a lot of my DNA, but she's my little (laughs) sister. Anyway, okay, my turn. I've got a scenario for you. You apply to... BGS or PSA or any grading company, and you say, I want to be a grader. They say, uh, here's a test. You take the test. You don't pass. They hire somebody else. And you say, no, I really want to be a grader. I'm going to reapply next year in six months, whatever. What would you do to prepare yourself to get a job at BGS, PSA, or one of the grading companies, assuming you wanted to do that? What paces would you run yourself through? Is there an online course? Would there be some mentor under whose tutelage you would study? What would you do in a crash program to really get good at grading? Oh, that's a great question. The first person I would call would be DH, Drew Hernan. Because Drew just recently passed the test. And I would go, okay, Drew, what did you do to pass the test? Where did you study? And and, and really pick his brain on how I would do that. The next thing I would do is go to someone else who I I find really highly respected, John Newman, who's graded a lot of cards and ask him his opinion on what he looks. I've I've done this before, but I'd probably do this a little bit more of a deep dive going for a, a position or a job or anything like that. I would ask him 
what his opinions were, what they would look for grading. Then I would look to start relationships within PSA at graders or BGS with graders. And then I would start to connect and just really get to know the hiring managers, get to know the senior levels, get to know the people and the culture there at whatever TPG that I wanted to. Not only would I learn the process and learn how to be and then learn how to pass the test, it's also ingratiating myself within whatever company that I wanted to. Culturally, who do I know reaching out to and really trying to develop a relationship with the company so that they know that I'm not just trying to get a job, that I would be looking for a career. So I would move towards those two steps. The third would be ingratiate yourself to what's going on within the company and news and notes and worthiness so that you can learn more about the company. That's be the three things I would do to start with. You're hired. Okay. If people did that, I think there's jobs. They're looking for people. And that's a helpful answer. Thank you, Brad. Your turn. Okay. So I'm going to switch gears. When you started your podcast, did you go to your relationships within the industry to say, hey, I'm thinking about starting a pod. Where'd you get your sponsors from? That's what I don't know. Where, where did you go get that relation, that beginning relationship? How did you decide you wanted to do sponsors? I did one thing that was smart, and that is I didn't charge anybody up front. I don't know if they even believe me, Brad. You know, I said, <laughs> I'm going to do a podcast. And they weren't saying, oh, what do you want to do that for? Or what's a podcast? But I just said, look, here's the sponsor offer. Like I said, was in arrear. You're only going to pay. Uh, it's not very much. It's more just I wanted to be along for this ride with some entities that I respected. And I intentionally thought it'd be better to have two auction sponsors, just one. It'd be better to have two card shops, better to have several card companies. And uh, ComC and, and BGS, Beckett Media, was sort of a no-brainer there. I just made a list. And there were some other people on the list. And a couple people said, let me wait and see. I said, well, sorry, there's no wait and see. You either want to go along for the ride or you don't. And there'll be maybe a time to get back on at some point in the future. But I've already got enough sponsors that I think people are tired of hearing the recitation. But they're all excellent companies that I'm willing to stand behind in the industry. I thought nothing against the breakers. There's a bunch of breakers out there. And yeah. you know, I wasn't ready to pick. I had some of them on and I'll continue to do that. But And uh, some of the fractional platforms... But at this point, I'm just riding with the sponsors that I have. I've mentioned that it, the idea was hatched by me, and then I ran it by these hobby dinner attendees, some of whom turned out to be sponsors, uh, mm -hmm. over a couple of years, really. Then when I jumped in two Julys ago, it just turned out to be more fun than I thought. Hobby Hotline has been fun. There's just a lot of great hobby uh, content out there. Okay, my turn. Personality and sense of humor is a big part of your hobby experience. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit quirky, but how does that help you? You have uh, an endearing <laughs> quality, but that's an integral part of who you are. Where's that coming from? And how do you encourage other people to really bring their full personality to their hobby experience? Oh, my gosh. This is a fantastic question because I was just talking to my wife about this. Like, literally, right before we started talking, she goes, A, don't be weird. <laughs> because of the whole thing of when you and I first started talking on Hobby Hotline, I, I got fanboy starstruck. So I stopped for a second and I started like really. And number two, I'm just a ham. I always have been. I've always been a chameleon because of. And if you ever meet me at a show, you'll I'm five foot two. I'm not the tallest guy in the world. So when I was younger, I had to become the chameleon, not the prankster, not the jokester, not the haha -ha funny joke guy, but at least friendly enough to where everybody could get along with. And then I, I wouldn't, because if I got myself in a fight situation, 
I'd get in trouble. So just trying to, to like be friendly, be myself and be jovial throughout the entire thing. And I got a real quirky sense of humor. Uh, I grew up with a bunch of friends that we were brutally harsh with one another with insults as typical guys are. So I learned to be quick on my feet as a youngster. One of the things when I jumped into content creation or hot, whatever you want to call what I do, my show, podcast, hobby hotline, letter rip, whatever, is I took a very hard look at who I was. And I had a long three-hour conversation with John Newman over this. And his number one key advice kept being, be yourself. That's just the one thing that I try to be. I try to be brutally honest about being a man of faith and a follower of Christ. I take very seriously. That goes into everything that I do. I try to be friendly. I try with every fiber of my body not to lie because I'm very bad at it. And then I just try to have fun. We're, we, we're doing baseball cards, man. We're talking sports cards. It's not supposed to be like mind blowing. This is baseball cards. Have fun. So I get to enjoy doing cards all the time and have fun. Is it frustrating? Of course, but it's fun. My lovely wife uh, listens to the episodes and when she listens to this one, and a lot of times she'll listen at one and a half times speed or something. And sometimes she'll do that. She said, well, that Brad, he really was a comedian. I'm saying, no, <laughs> he said he was a chameleon. <laughs> oh. a chameleon comedian, Brad. So uh, just take that to the bank. So thanks, All everybody. Thanks, Brad Bethune. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man in the house of Thank you.